Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Paul is concluding his second epistle to Timothy. And we're going to see that in these last few verses, he's going to say many things to Timothy and also about others. And as we go through these things, we're going to see some important principles and give us insight for understanding what is proper and what is not proper how to order our life in a way, as Paul did, that demonstrates the authority of the Spirit of God in one's life. So ask yourself, when people see your behavior, your decisions, do they see you submitting to the authority of God? Do you have this type of, of witness, one who demonstrates submissiveness in order that you serve God and where God has positioned you, where he's leading you, what he is providing to you so that you can do, are you faithful doing these things? Paul knows that his life, his ministry is coming to an end. And I think it's very important what we see him sharing with Timothy concerning this context. So take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin where we left off last week in verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. Now the first word that appears here is a word of, of haste, meaning to hurry, to respond with a sense of urgency. Many times we hear haste and we see someone who's careless. This is not the intent. Of the Greek word. It simply means to do something quickly, now, with urgency. And what does he say? He says, with haste, come to me quickly. Now, Paul is speaking. Remember, he's writing to Timothy. And he says, with haste, come to me quickly. The verse in the original language begins with that word haste, and it ends with quickly. And that's to tell us both the beginning, the end, is all about how important Paul feels it is for his life and his ministry that Timothy would rejoin him, that they could serve together in accomplishing what God would have them to do. And it tells us a principle. We can accomplish much more working with others than we can by ourselves. Look now to verse, verse 10. Here we're going to meet someone who's not faithful. We read in verse 10, for Demas. Now, Demas was an individual, and notice what it says. Demas, me, has left. So this man has departed from Paul, and not just physically left him, although that's part of it, but we see that he has left 
the ministry left serving God. Why? Because he has loved this, this present world, this present age. Now, what's being told here is something that's so practical. Everyone is going to make a decision, and we make decisions all the time, and they're either going to be kingdom influence or they're going to be influenced by this present age. That's what it comes down to. What am I striving for? For the purposes of the kingdom? For the character of the kingdom to be shown in my life, in my actions, or am I worldly minded? And when we look at verse 10, it says here, this Demas is indeed one who is leaving Paul, leaving that service, leaving that call in order to be connected to this present world. And it says he has, has gone to Thessalonica. So there he is in this location in Greece rather than being with Paul. And what's the reason? As it says, he has loved this present world world now read on in verse 10 we see that another individual a fellow servant of paul he's serving but in a different location it says this one crescus he is in galatia and we see that titus one that we're familiar with titus is in dalmatia so he's serving there and at this present time paul only has one other individual with him serving and faithfully carrying out God's purposes with him. And that's who? Notice what it says here in verse, verse 11. Verse 11 says, Lucas, this would be Luke, is only with me. Now, he's going back and he's going to give some instructions to Timothy about things that he wants, that is, Paul wants Timothy to do. So he says, I'm alone except for Luke. Luke here is with me. And then he says, Mark. Now, we know when we look elsewhere in the scripture, we see that, that Paul and this one called Mark, they didn't always see eye to eye and they separated. But Paul knows something. He knows that even though there was a disagreement, Paul's coming to the end, and he wants reconciliation. And he makes a statement, and he knows something. He knows that Timothy is going to share these words with, with Mark. And what does he say? He says, Mark, take and bring with you. So he's told Timothy, with haste, you come quickly unto me. And now he says, when you do that, bring mark take him and this implies to put some some uh, pressure to put some some intensity in this this desire that paul has that mark would come and be brought unto him and notice what he says concerning concerning mark this one that paul parted ways with earlier he says for he is helpful he is helpful to me for ministry, serving God. And let me just simply say, when it comes to serving God, I made mention, it is far more effective that we partner, that we work with others than by ourselves. That in itself 
is a testimony. Secondly, when we find someone who's useful, as Mark is, Paul is saying, utilize him. Yes, there was a time of separation, some division over an issue, but now he's saying we need to be reconciled, for he is useful. He brings about in my life a greater fulfillment for the purposes of God. So he wants Mark to join him there. Now look at verse 12. He's going to be naming several individuals. We've come across this one before. This one named Tichikos. And it says, but Tichikos I have sent into Ephesus. Now Ephesus, we know the epistle to the Ephesians. Ephesus was a place of significance. And Paul had served there taking the word of God, the truth of God, the purposes of God to this place. And Paul is constantly remembering these places that, that God has caused him to serve. And he wants people to go back, to strengthen them, to encourage them, to disciple them fuller. And this is important. We need to be people that understand that God wants to do more than just, just one work. That the Spirit of God continues and works in a full manner. And therefore, he says, I have sent this one, Tichikos, I have sent into Ephesus. Verse 13. Now, he's going to make another request. And this request has to do with some physical things, but which are connected to a spiritual purpose and a spiritual context. Notice what he says. Verse, verse 14. Verse 13. The cloak, that's what most English Bibles say. We're speaking about a garment, a mantle, some garment. And many scholars believe that this has some religious connotation, spiritual connection. That it's related to Paul like a prophet once. He wore a mantle, this cloak, this garment. And Paul had something similar. So he says in verse 13, the cloak which I left in Troas with a man by the name of Carpos, he says, when coming, bring. So he says, as you come, when you are, are led to respond to this request to come quickly, as coming, bring it. And not just bring this garment, but notice what else he says also the books now it's the greek word biblia where we get the english word bible from and it's strictly speaking about a book but a a book in this sense may not be one that like i'm holding in my hand but one that is a scroll so he could be saying here this word for book could be implying a scroll bring the scrolls meaning most would see it as texts, religious texts, having to do with scripture, meaning from the Hebrew Bible. And then he also says, especially the parchments. And this may be meaning notes that he has written or additional things that have not been bound yet, put into a scroll, but they're loose leaf, so to speak, these parchments, these notes. He wants them. And these are probably things that he uses 
in order to disciple, to encourage, to lift up, to set straight, in order to, to teach them the Word of God. Paul is coming to the end, but here's an important point. Even though he's approaching his end, he says earlier, and we read this last week, he says, I am being poured out. And the implication is, time is running out. Paul also understands that, that this term may mean that he is going to be a martyr. There's much opposition against him. And what is Paul doing? Is he fearful? Is he running and hiding? Is he in some forest prepping and, and just trying to survive as long as he can? He is not. What is he doing? He says, bring me these things. And the only explanation is that he wants to work until the very end. Why? We hear this expression, but it's so significant. And that is finishing well. And doing just that, finishing, meaning continuing on until the Lord says enough. And how does the Lord say enough? He calls us home. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to keep up the same pace. With age, things are going to slow down. We may not be able to do as much. But we're going to have some experience, some wisdom. And that's also going to make it effective. And therefore, even though we might do less, it can have even a greater impact. And Paul understands that he wants to continue. He wants to be prepared to be in season and out of season, as we've talked previously, in order to serve God. Now let's look at that 14th verse. Now here another individual is mentioned. And I want us to pause for a moment and deal with an issue. And that is what's called in, in Hebrew, Lashon Hara, which means literally evil speech. And most of the time, it's, it's motivated in pride. And it is about saying something which is going to cause others to think less of an individual. Many times people say, oh, you can't say anything negative. But let's look at Paul, for example, and see what, what he says here. Look, if you would, to verse 14. He says, Alexandros, an individual, who is a coppersmith. He says, I'm going to translate this literally, much to me evil he has done. So much to me evil, and that's exactly what that word is, meaning that he has done things that's not according to God's will. He has, in other words, evil. Outside of God's will, he has sinned against Paul. And he is a hindrance to the things of Paul. Look at the whole verse. Alexandros, the coppersmith, much to me evil he has done. So what is Paul doing? Now here, he's simply, in my opinion, warning Timothy. Previously, from the basing it on its context, this man was, was an assistant. A helper, now not mainly to Paul personally, but someone who was supposedly in the faith. But we look here in this verse, and it says, Alexandrus, who, 
is a coppersmith. Much evil he has done to me. And what does he say? The Lord shall deliver him. Paul saying, listen, it's not for us to get involved. We aren't going to take action. We aren't his judge. Now, Paul's evaluating what he's done is evil, but he's not himself judging him. Now, people will say, well, wait, we're going to judge the angels. We're going to be judges. Yes, we are, but not in this body, not at this time. So we always have to understand the context of Scripture. It's frequently a problem. People will take something that is applied for believers when we're in our new body, when we have departed from this world, when we are in the, the kingdom realm. That's what we'll be doing then, but not now. It's not our call to do so now. So we always have to understand the proper context of the verse. Paul says, the Lord, he will deliver to him according to his evil works. So according to that evil he's done, God will deliver over to him the results of such things. Now, one of the reasons why Paul is saying this to Timothy is to teach Timothy a principle. Let God handle it. God is going to be the one that, that, that measures out the punishment properly, the consequences of, of this one's evil or sinful actions. Now, we also know, it says, verse 15, whom also you be aware so this is why I said it's a warning. Why? For he has exceedingly stood in opposition to our words. Now, we have to understand this. I made a statement that, that this man, Alexandros, was a, a person who in some way was a, a helper. And the reason why I say this is because what we're finding here is this that he is in opposition to, he says, our words. Now, what words? Perhaps just the gospel in general, anything the Bible says. Maybe he's this, this atheist. Well, the reason why I shared with you that I believe this individual was one who was among the helpers of Paul, at least of the faith, is what we read as we continue on. Look now to verse 16. Paul says, at my first defense. Now, he's saying that this one and the context has to do with Paul saying, when I made my first defense, and this probably means before the Roman Empire, perhaps at some place, not necessarily in Rome, but, but on his way there when he was, for example, at Caesarea. We don't know for sure. But he says, when I made my first defense, notice how these things go together within the context. In my first defense, no one to me stood with. No one stood with me at this time. Who's the context for? Other believers. We wouldn't expect non-believers to be standing with Paul. They're the ones who's bringing the, the indictment trying to get Paul punished, trying to get Paul 
in, in some type of prison, some type of, of punishment for what he's doing. And because the context moves into this, this is what caused me to, to come to the conclusion that this one who's, who's mentioned in verse 14, Alexandros, that he is of the, the faith to some extent. Look again at verse 16. At my first defense, no one with me stood, but all left me. So I believe that, that this one was one who departed, left Paul, wouldn't stand with him in the defense. When Paul was on trial for his faith, but notice what is said thereafter. Look now to, to the end of verse 16. He says, let God judge them severely for this. He does not. He simply says that they would not be charged, meaning that they would not be, be held accountable for this. Now, this has a basis to it. There's a wonderful tradition in Judaism. And that is, before we go to bed at night, once again we say what we prayed a few minutes ago, the Shema. We affirmed our faith in God every night and every morning. Also, according to the prayer schedule, we also, also do it an additional time at the end of the evening prayer in the synagogue. So in the morning in the synagogue, in the evening in the synagogue, and immediately before you go to bed. And part of that prayer is, is asking for forgiveness from God. And in doing so, we do something else. We say anyone who has done something against us, we forgive. We're, we're not wanting them to be held accountable for that action to us that they would be punished we want forgiveness and we want them forgiveness now what you should be thinking is this well what about this this one this one earlier who was not good with paul this one who we're speaking about alexandros this one who called caused paul great great evil in his life and he says the lord the lord will turn to him, deliver him over according to his, his deeds. Well, Paul's not saying this from a personal standpoint. The fact that someone didn't stand with him in this trial. The first time when Paul makes this statement, it's because of the hindrance. Not what this one did to Paul personally, but the hindrance. The evil things that he did in a, in, 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 against should say simply against the purposes of God. God will deal with that. But now when Paul says these individuals wouldn't stand with me, it's not just against God. It's now a personal matter. And this teaches us in personal things, we don't want them to be, to be punished. We want them to be forgiveness. Why? Because we want to be forgiven as well. Now look at verse, verse 17. When no one was standing with Paul, he wasn't alone. There was no other individuals there, but it says, But the Lord 
we read, with me stood. And not only did he stand with Paul, it also says, and he strengthened me. For what purpose? So that Paul would, would uh, come across in a mighty way? Well, God likes his people to do things mightily in the Spirit of God. But the purpose that God was there was for the will of God to be done. And what was that? He says, in order that through me, the proclamation, this is a deal of fulfillment, that this proclamation, what God wanted to be said to those people at that time, that it might be, be carried out in its fullness. And here's another important point that we see so frequently Paul referring to, and that is, and all the nations, meaning the Gentiles, that they should hear. And also, also I was, was delivered, rescued out of the mouth of lions. So it wasn't easy for Paul to do this. He puts it in that context. It was like being fed to the lions. And all those fellow believers, they deserted him. Paul says, I don't want them to be punished for that. As you forgive me, I want you to forgive them. And then secondly, remember that other point, when they stand in opposition, not just to us when they're unkind to us, but when they are truly a hindrance and acting in evil against, against the things of God, then we turn them over to the Lord to deal with according to those things. It's not our place to forgive them for the sins against God. That's the difference in this passage of Scripture. It says, now look at verse 18. Once again, he, he says several times about how God rescued, delivered him. Verse 18, And the Lord, he will deliver me from all the evil acts. All the evil deeds God will deliver us. Paul knows that. We should know it. And he says, and he will save into, into his kingdom of heaven. Now, Paul knows something, and that is this. The time is near. Paul wrote to, to the, the congregation at Thessaloniki. He wrote to them in the second epistle that, that before this great day of, of the rapture would take place, certain things had to happen. And Paul is saying to this, he says, I know that, that there's going to be this in my life. And what is that? That God is going to deliver me from all their, their evil acts. Now it's in the singular that the Lord from evil deeds that he will deliver. And it's literally in the single meaning every evil deed would be a better way to translate it. And he will save. That's what God do. He will save into his kingdom of heaven. And because we have that assurance that he is going to save us and bring us into the kingdom of heaven. Now, for some who live during this time, it will be done so through that blessed hope 
the rapture. But for others like Paul, he knows that he was going to be delivered. And that ultimate deliverance doesn't mean escaping the plots and the evil actions of, of the enemy. But sometimes that, that deliverance, this saving, God saves into his kingdom of heaven. Meaning Paul understands that he's going to die and through death be brought into the kingdom of heaven. Now let's look at the end of verse 18 where it says, To him the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now notice the connection between a reference to the kingdom of heaven and glory. Glory because of God saving. This is what the scripture tells us. God saves. And it's a kingdom salvation. It is a deliverance from every evil act of the enemy. Makes no difference who the enemy is. God will deliver. We will experience that, that kingdom promise. Now let's move to 19, verse 19. The last few verses, Paul is going to wrap up this epistle. And he's going to share some greetings and some other words of instruction. So let's conclude verse 19. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Also, the house of Onesiphoros. So these individuals, of course, the first two, a married couple, Priscilla and Aquila, very strong servants in the Lord who had quite a reputation in many, many different congregations. And then the household of this one, Onesiphorus. Then in verse 20, we're talked about or speaking about another individual, Eratos. He remains in Corinth. So he was remaining in Corinth. And then another one, Trophimos, it says, but Trophimos I sent into Militia. Why? Well, because he was, was sick. Now, literally it says that, that he remained, I want to translate this properly, that, that Trophimos, Trophimos, he remained or was left in Militia because of, of sickness. Verse 21. The same word that we began our study with, the word haste, meaning quickly. He says, with haste or quickly, before winter come. So he's telling Timothy, you need to get here with, with urgency, quickly, and do so before the winter time. He says, greets you, He's saying who's also part of this epistle that's, that's sending greetings to Timothy, Eubulos, and, and Pudus, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brothers, all these individuals, they are wishing, and I say wishing, it means a blessing, not wishing in a, a secular sense, but they are desiring a blessing to be placed upon Timothy, a good word, because Timothy's going to be coming. And then finally, our last verse. Last verse, verse 22. 
the Lord Messiah Yeshua with your spirit. Now, he's saying something that this is the, the submissiveness to Messiah. This is how the Spirit of God is, is at work in a person's life. Very important that we see this. We recognize Yeshua, not just as Savior, not just as, as Messiah, but we recognize Him as Lord. And in doing so, we're going to find that the Spirit of God is going to be moved, energized within our life. And that's why it says, The Lord Messiah Yeshua with your spirit, the grace with you. Amen. We see a connection here between the spirit and, and grace. It is because of God's grace that the spirit of God moves. And it's because of the spirit of God that grace will work in our life. Now, I want to close with this. Now, frequently, we talk about the fact that through grace, one is saved. That is true. But look at another aspect of, of grace. Grace saves us, but grace will also work in our life to bring our life to move us into the fulfillment of God's will. And let me just conclude by saying this. You and I need to be praying daily. God, I want to know your will for my life. I want to do your will for my life. I want your spirit to anoint me, empower me, illuminate things in order that I can respond to your will. When we are moving towards the will of God, we are going to experience His Lordship, the Lordship of Messiah in our life. The Spirit is going to be mighty and the grace of God is going to work to bring about that second purpose of God's grace and that is bringing about the fulfillment of God's will in our life. Well, Paul shared much with Timothy in the second epistle things that, that have so much relevance for us today, especially as we approach these last days. And my hope and my prayer is that we, not through my words, but for, from you studying these words on your own, the words of Scripture, that you would grow, that you would mature, that you would become more submissive, that the Spirit of God would work mightily in your life, and the grace of God would be manifested in your life moving in the will of God. Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.